The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 5th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create, so check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How we doing? Doing well, doing good. Got some uh, a little bit of dental work done yesterday, so feeling good off of that now. And when listen to you guys have a really fun game for the Rams, which oh my gosh, we talk about. I talk about with both of you guys this morning. How in the world could they give away that? They were up eight with about what three and a half to go. Yeah, and then just lets it go. And we talk about it. That's one that the, this Rams team's gonna be kicking themselves for letting slip later on in the season, but. Again, it's early January. A lot of teams are still trying to get their feet down, trying to see who's near the top and who's near the middle of that pack and the PSAC and who's trying to get themselves into that conference tournament when that time comes. But again, I think that's one definitely the Rams are going to be kicking themselves for letting slip. And I said yesterday morning, I didn't think Lockhaven was coming in as good as advertised. Their record was 8-2, and two, but the, the quality wins I didn't think were there. So it paid up to it. The Rams held close with the Bald Eagles, but sadly just weren't able to close it in overtime. Yep, Lockhaven came to town last night in both men's and women's action. The women uh, fell before the men's game at the final score for uh, the Shepherd men's in overtime, 77-74. to 74. And I said this to Parker a little bit earlier this morning, Luke. This team, this Shepherd Rams men's team, is going to get really, really good by the end of the season, I think. And they're going to look back at this loss, and it's going to be a pretty big blemish on their sheet. Yeah, like I said last night, if this season doesn't go the way that Shepard wants to and they're on the outside looking at it at a conference tournament, this will be game number one, patient zero, if you will, as to why they didn't get in. Or if it's the difference between a seed, this is going to be a game that you look back at the end of the year, the one that got away from you. A couple of times now, you haven't had 100% Philip Jordan, and you paid the price. He was banged up in Slippery Rock, like Coach Damlett said. You lost that one. Uh, he was sick in the game against uh, Pitt Johnstown. And then last night, he fouls out with a few minutes to go in the game, and you struggle to get the ball across midcourt uh, in a couple of key situations, force overtime, and then can't create enough shots in overtime. Uh, so it, it's frustrating. There are signs. I, I loved how the effort that Shepard put, Shepherd put out defensively. Uh, I thought DMC, while he wasn't the most efficient in the game, played incredibly well. I thought you got a good performance from Preston, and a star was potentially born uh, with Marcel. Uh, but all of that still ends with a loss, which makes it a frustrating way to end the night. Of course, we are your home for Shepherd Rams basketball 92, on uh, 92.9 WXCC. That's your home for <laughs> Berkeley Springs basketball. We're right here on WEPM and WCST. Here are some of the highlights from last night's game. DMC bringing the ball up the court. Gets a screen to the right from Hewley. Gets into the lane. Up with the right end. In. DMC gets a score. 
scoring started. He's fired up after two points. Green from Hewley. Kicks it over to DMC. Contested three is in. DMC with two guys in his face is able to find the basket. And it's 12-7 Lockhaven. And when the world needed him most, DMC emerges. It's a screen from Poffenberger. Passes it to Hewley. He'll shoot the three. And it's in. Aiden Hewley gets himself on the score sheet, not in the paint, this time from the arc. Screen from Hewley, has some space, takes some contact, dumped it in with the left as DFC starting to find his stride in this matchup. It's a bounce pass to Jay Davis, misses the wide open layup, rebounded by Marcel, it's a quick kick out to DMC. Bounce pass back to DMC, up off the left is good. Philip Jordan, DMC doing a good job keeping their running lanes down the court. Hopper gets it, jump stop in the lane, up with the left and good. He's such a talented player. He just wanted to play with more confidence, and he's playing with confidence today. DMC has it in this far corner. Skip pass over to Preston, who shoots in the three, and it's good. Rams take the lead with a John Preston three-pointer right in front of the Lockhaven bench. Euro step up with the left, and he misses the layup, but it's put back by PJ, and the Rams get the lead back. With pass it to DMC, who almost lost his footing, but able to regain it. And so shoot with two, and he hits it. DMC with the buzzer beater, deep three, gets the Rams back. Hewley's second, it rims in and out, but it's rebounded by Marcel initially, then wrapped up in a jump ball. It'll go Lockhaven's way this time, but Marcel yet again getting in there doing the dirty work. We're looking for an extra pass. He finds it with Marcel for three. Got it! And we'll get a timeout on the court as Marcel. A revelation for the Rams off the bench. Robinson pump fakes off the block. The finger roll up and in off the glass. And we're heading to overtime. 68-68 here in Shepard. Kicks it out to Hewley for three. Hits the front of the rim. Rebounded by the Rams with three seconds, two seconds. Preston with the shot. It's almost in and out. And the Rams will fall in overtime. 77-74. And, of course, you can listen to Rams basketball right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And uh, what an interesting game that was. The Rams start off, uh, start that game about as slow and as cold as you possibly could. But it was really the defense, Luke, that kept him in that thing. And, uh, well, the defense kind of let him down there towards the end. But I think that mainly was because there were a couple tough foul calls here and there. And some guys got into into some early foul trouble that really started to kind of show itself at the end of the game. And Shepard only scored four points in the first six and a half minutes of this game. Uh, and you have to credit the defense for keeping them within a puncher's chance. That one really could have gotten away from them early, but the defense kept it close for the offense start to wake up in the half court. And a bunch of different guys chipped in and hit some key shots, all seven players, and Shepard only goes seven deep. Uh, you know, Robinson had a couple of face-up 15-footers that were key in the game. Poffenberger played very well. Hewley hit a big three and almost hit the one uh, in the end of overtime there that would have tied the game up again. Uh, we talked about DMC and Preston playing at a really high level. Uh, and, and Jordan, he, he came in and played well. He kept the ball moving. He didn't have the greatest offensive performance, but you can still see the difference. I, I'd be interested to see what the plus minuses are with him off the floor versus with him on, because I, I really believe that their most efficient lineups come with that. Um, I think what let him down, though, in the end was just the inability to break the press. It was mm -hmm. something that we saw right away. You know, it's a one-two-two, three-quarter court press that we saw uh, from Lockhaven, which is it's not unprecedented in basketball. It's 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 simple to understand how to break. It's difficult to execute, especially when you have lengthy athletes. But Shepard, you know, questions go around to the guard's ability to get the ball to midcourt, throwing some careless passes. You know, Namlik had a couple of timeouts. In hindsight, should he have taken one earlier and gone over the press break? 
you know, somebody needed to just step up and take control of that game and be the one to break the press themselves. And yeah, that's going to be a concern. Seeing that on the film, Shepard opponents are now going to see that this team can't handle ball pressure, especially with Jordan off the floor. So what's that going to look like for the rest of the season? Again, one that just got away from Shepard. So many positives to pull from that game, but it doesn't matter again when it puts another loss next to your name. Of course, the women were in action right before that, and you could have heard, then you can hear uh, subsequent uh, Shepherd women's Rams basketball games over on our website, PainHandleNewsNetwork.com. Uh, but Lockhaven takes the win in that one, too, 63-42. to Shepherd women still looking for that first win of the season. We've talked about it at length, how uh, significant of a rebuild process is, but we've also talked about it off-air a lot and how we think that this team has a really good chance of getting good, or at least a, a team under Coach Kaufman has a really good t- a chance of getting good. You just got to give her enough time and kind of just deal with these rough waters that you have to deal with at the beginning of a rebuild. Yeah, the path to success is a clear one for Shepard. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to do it. I I like the positionless basketball that they're playing. You can see in the half court while they're learning the offense what they're trying to do. Now, they they stick a lot of guys or girls, I should say, in the paint, uh, which can clog things up at times. But they've got an ability to let a variety of different players shoot the ball. Uh, which is going to be interesting as a team that's so small the rest of the year. They're losing games right now because they turn the ball over too much. They turn it over 20 times in this game. Uh, and, and the amount of offensive rebounds they allowed in this loss as well was just, just near about historic uh, in the game against Lock Haven. But, uh, Parker, I think the biggest takeaway for me in this game was Aubrey Austin. She played just four minutes before this women's game. Uh, and she goes for 12 points off the bench. She's 5 of 8 from the field. You can tell that the ball skills are kind of lacking for a player that's still trying to develop as a ball handler, but she could flat-out score, and she could flat-out hit open shots, and surely Coach Kaufman's not going to be afraid to try just about any combination, so it was cool to see a spark coming off a player who hadn't played much this year. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a transfer coming in from Lenore Ryan as well. She comes in, scores 12, and it was a big game, too, because they kept it close in this one for the majority. Again, you didn't have arguably your best player on your team, Sydney Bull. She was out with this game with some injury stuff going on. But again, it's going to be a build for this women's team. It's going to take time. It's going to take piecing things back together. You have to remember how much was lost from the team that reached the heights of where it did last year. It's completely the slate has been wiped pretty much from what it was last year. It's a new team. It's a new era. It's a new program. And right now it's about finalizing that culture, getting that program together. And like we've mentioned before, here in about two years, we'll be talking about the women's team the way we talked about them last year, reaching the heights they've made, the successes they made, playing deep into the PSAC tourney, making it into the NCAA tournament. We'll be back in that conversation with this team. But right now, it's about building a culture for Coach Kaufman, and I'm very confident she's able to do that. She's a lot of knowledge to her. She's building a lot of good pieces. And you got to remember, too, she was brought in very late into the recruiting yeah, process Yeah, she had like well. three weeks to try to figure <laughs> yeah. out a team. <laughs> you, you could argue she's coaching and recruiting right now at the same time. Right. It's, it's when she gets a class in of more of her athletes, because right now a lot of these are athletes that Coach Ack brought in and recruited into. The ones that hung around once yeah. everybody left. So when you get to that understanding, it, over time it's going to get there. But right now, if women's basketball fans for the Rams, be patient with it. It's gonna it, The next season to season and a half might not be what you want it to be. But it will get there. Just trust that process. It will get there. I, I did want to add to that. Uh, it's one thing that's been a little bit frustrating to me. Talk about you know the different players that have left. Uh, Emily Weekly uh, was committed to play here, of course. She went over to Frostburg State with uh, with yep. Coach Eckleberry. I pulled up her numbers really quickly. Um, she's balling. She's averaging 21 again. Oh, <laughs> she's very good. Very good player. That hurts. That, that, that one that, hurts. That's tough. 
That one hurts. But if you're uh, looking to get involved in a little Shepherd Rams basketball, well, you could do so on Saturday. Doubleheader, men's and women's against Millersville. Women start at 1. Uh, men are at 3. We'll have all that action covered right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, and at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. We'll remind you as that gets a little closer, or I guess as we continue on through the week, uh, about that matchup. But, Parker, I want to get your thoughts on this one, because uh, me and Luke have seen him walk around the gym a fair amount now that we're back into basketball season, and Devin Lynch was a really good linebacker. Definitely uh, was huge in that IUP um, Super Region final game uh, with a couple of interceptions and things, but he has put his name into the transfer portal. So now that Shepard, they've lost the uh, offense coordinator, defensive line coach, of course, Jason Bajan gone, Avon Holly's in the portal. Uh, all these guys are gone. I mean, I guess that's just kind of the way football is nowadays, but a little surprising to hear that Devin Lynch uh, was going into the portal. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise to see last night him release that statement saying he's entering the portal with two years left eligibility. It's a big loss for this team. He's very much stepped up big when Dwayne Grantham went down in the playoffs. He had the best game of his career, you could say, against IUP. He really put together a really good playoff run, and I'm guessing he's relaying that into maybe testing himself out into the transfer portal. And again, it may be a case. Now, I want to clarify, if an athlete does enter the transfer portal, it does not mean 100% they are leaving the school. It's just they're wanting to test the waters outside of where they are at the university right now. So... That, that's where it comes down to. Lynch and Holly both announced last night they're entering the portal. So it's it's going to be an interesting look, and I think this is going to be a really big test to the fortitude of Coach McCook and how he's going to rebuild this team post-Tyson Bajan because there's you could say there's athletes saying, well, Tyson Bajan's gone. I'm going to hop off the Shepherd train and go somewhere else that's already excelling to the levels. We saw Marlon Cook, for example. He took a look at Pittsburgh State. That's one of the perennial big teams out in Division II college football. You've got other programs as well people could be bouncing to, looking to for other places to go to. Right now, it's about Coach McCook saying, hey, you don't need to leave because Tyson Bajan is gone. Stick with this program. We've got what it needs to be successful and be a perennial powerhouse within all of Division II football for the next foreseeable future, and we're going to have tights to what we reach with Tyson here as well. The question becomes for Devin Lynch is what move is he think he's going to be able to make mm -hmm. you know it was fairly clear that you could see in the physique that marlon cook is somebody that could jump up to the next level now i, I looked it up just to be sure he's the starting mike linebacker for shepherd the starting mike linebacker for wvu is lee coba they're the exact same size coba's only 10 pounds heavier because uh, lynch is 220 which is a pretty good size I don't know if he's good enough in coverage to move to outside backer. He's obviously not a rush backer, so he'd have to stay at Mike because I don't think he could play safety either. So it's going to be interesting to see where if he thinks he can jump up levels. Because you're right, uh, technically uh, he can still come back, but that's just not at the Division Two level. You just hardly ever see that. And I think it was Coach McCook who said it on the last coaches show. Less than thirty percent of Division Two players that put their name into the transfer portal end up on a football team the next year you know and in his mind he's worried about his guys getting pilfered and it's a shame and uh, Devin Lynch had a, obviously a great season for Shepard but coach McCook knows that he's gone and he's recruiting his replacement Mike linebacker right now yep. mm -hmm. that's scholarships being handed out to somebody else as we speak so I hope Lynch gets to move up he's somebody else that's more than deserving of an opportunity to go to succeed and go to try to be great uh, but I, I just don't know how much of a guarantee it's going to be but he could prove us all wrong everybody needs a guy that can be in the middle of the field and tackle like that uh, and we'll have to see what happens mm. Portal has changed everything. It's changed everything. But don't forget, you can get in touch with us by uh, texting us on our text line, 304-263-4321, 304-263-4321. And we'll be back with more Panhandle Live after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. 
It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchentobath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. And Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And I see a little wrestling talk on the uh, rundown here, fellas. WVU wrestling out here? Uh, I, I don't know. Are they they <laughs> wrestling it. well? Do, right. doing it, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just wanted to stick this in there, uh, obviously, because it's a wrestling program that's uh, slowly being rebuilt. Uh, especially since they joined the Big 12, took a step back. There are eight uh, Mountaineer players that are ranked or receiving honorable mentions in the top 25. That's the first time that program's had that since 2003. And I would think that was in the Greg Turnbull era, and that was back when they had, and as soon as I tried to say, I think it was Greg Jones, the Olympic wrestler yeah, who was uh, one of the greatest, uh, the greatest wrestler in the history of the program, and his brother were there. Um, so Killian Cardinal is one of the best wrestlers in the country. Peyton Hall as well. I won't name all eight, but uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Double uh, View Wrestling and the success that they're having. Heck yeah, we got a local connection there for Double uh, Wrestling as well, and I just scrolled past it, can't find it. Michael Dolan, sophomore yeah. from yeah. Spring Mills. So. Uh, Pretty cool. I, you know, now that I'm older and like have watched a couple, you know, wrestling tournaments and things. I think, man, I wish I would have gotten into that as a kid. But then I watch, like, actually watch what's going on, and that looks awful. I'm glad. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed going my, when my dad used to do the wrestling matches uh, and watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be a 25 year old with cauliflower ears. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's yeah, I mean, those guys are also an incredible. I, I, I've heard multiple people say, and you, you'll appreciate this. Uh, my dad always used to say it. Greg Turnbull used to say it as well. Uh, the the best athletes in the world are cyclists and wrestlers. Uh, yeah, man. Endurance, so dude. Endurance. You gotta be go. able to fight through the pain. Fight through the pain. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of transfer portal, we were talking about Devin Lynch and Von Holly and the like for Shepard Rams football uh, going into the portal. It seems like Maryland, the old Turpies, kind of stole one away from West Virginia, didn't they? Yeah, this one this one sucks. Uh, Caden Prather, uh, former four-star recruit to West Virginia, at times looked like an NFL wide receiver, at times looked like me. He transferred uh, to Maryland, and that, that's, you know, credit the Turpies for going out and getting a guy. But I was talking to Jordan about this yesterday, Parker. The biggest thing, though, is we don't know who's going to play quarterback for Maryland. So it's yeah. kind of an indictment yeah. of your program when you're number one wide out. To be fair, we don't know who's going to play quarterback for West Virginia, but he's got rapport with the guys that would be the quarterback. It's a bad look when you're arguably best receiver, unarguably, your best returning receiver, and Caden Prather ditches your program for another program that, no disrespect to Maryland, hasn't had incredible mm-hmm. success, and you mm-hmm. don't know who their quarterback is. They've only had one good quarterback in the last like decade, and it's Tulia. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's concerns, I think, for this program. I've seen people go, they're saying, well, we're being treated like a group of five team. People view West Virginia as a group of five level team. Nobody wants to come here. And while... There, there are legitimate concerns right now. I mean, it's a program that hasn't won big since 2019, if you want to call it that. It's a program that hasn't been to a Big 12 championship since its inception into the Big 12 in 2012. And there's there's concerns about riding the ship. And can Neil Brown write the ship? Can he bring in people that want to come coach at West Virginia, want to be a part of the program, want to get back to the glory that was West Virginia in the mid to late 2000s? Do we want to see people doing that? And I think this, is gonna, this year is a big test for that. Ren Baker decides to give Neil Brown another year on the leash, and this is, I think, the prove-it year for Neil. It's 
Okay. It's been the prove it year. But and and you're right, it is. But prove it with what? He has yeah. nothing. He There's has nothing there. he, he's going to have to start a brand new quarterback. He's got nobody to throw it to. There's still a chance that CJ Donaldson gets uh transfers out. You've lost key pieces of your defensive line. Uh, and that's kind of the point, obviously. The the prove he doesn't have anybody. He just had his legs taken out from underneath him, so I don't know what he can prove. <laughs> and then we go into a situation of well, we need to give him time because he's rebuilding, but he came into a rebuilding program. That's the issue here. The reason we're having a second rebuild is because everyone's leaving because apparently people aren't liking the job that's going on. There's something going on behind closed doors that we're probably not getting 100% out of this because there's players leaving. There's a reason these players leaving, and it's not because of playing time, I think, because this is a team that's kind of finding their identity right now. What's the reason for all these players leaving? Caden Prather, again, goes to Maryland. What What's the reason for him going to Maryland? Draft stock, going to the ACC, I think that's a downplay if you're going to Maryland. They're, well, no, they're in the Big Ten, excuse me. I forget. I forget they moved to the Big Ten all the time. I think yeah, It was ACC. only like 15 years ago. I, 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 see, I, always, I always assume Maryland to the ACC. It's, it's one of those yeah. schools where it's like all the time. But Big Ten, Big Ten-wise, I mean, they're, they're going to be – Drilled in the Big Ten. I mean, you got Ohio State, Michigan. Come, you'll have UCLA and all USC coming to the Big Ten in 2024, 25. It's I'm not too sure for his sake. Maybe getting some more eyes on, on him at an NFL level because, well, maybe not too many are going to be on West Virginia because they're look. It's looking like right now they're going to be in the doldrums of the Big Twelve once again. But from everything I've seen, it seems like Neil Brown's always kind of kept the locker room together. I I haven't seen anything like, oh, Neil Brown doing this. Neil Brown says that. Anything. It's just, it just seems like they it's a bad team or a bad, I guess, culture that people are just trying to get out of. Well, I think he's a good culture guy. I just don't think people want to lose. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I think he's a good coach. Uh, well, I think he's a good character Player coach, coach, if yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, I don't think there's that much of a animosity between him yeah. and his players, but guys want to win. Um, you know, and, and guys just get frustrated, and which is reasonable when you've got a transfer portal, which at any point, oh, I don't like it here. I'm going to go somewhere else. Now, is going somewhere else being Maryland a better situation? I don't know. Uh, but again, that too, it seems to be a big indictment of the program. Well, we'll step aside here for a few minutes, come back after our bottom of the hour break, talk about the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, a little U.S. men's national team soccer. What a crazy situation that is with the head coach. Uh, and college basketball, of course, in full swing. So we'll come back and talk about all that and more uh, after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensdebat.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Don't forget to get in touch with us on Twitter at EP News Network, or you can text or call us at 304-263-4321. 304-263-4321. We'll be chatting with Metro News' Joe Bercato here in a minute. Uh, there's a ton of big-time uh, prep basketball across the state of West Virginia yesterday, today, oh, really all weekend, week and weekend long. So we'll be getting uh, some updates from him on that. And uh, we were talking a little bit about it uh, last night, Luke. There's a, some big, what, uh, triple-A games tonight? 
Yeah, well, that's there's a Triple A game and a Quad A game that, that I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to. If uh, we can get Bricado on here in a second, uh, you've got an undefeated East Fairmont taking on an undefeated Fairmont Senior, which has to have never happened with those yeah. two programs. And then you've got uh, Morgantown taking on Parkersburg South in uh, Quad A. That's the number one and the number two team in the state. A rematch of last year's championship game. Morgantown, if they dominate this game, which frankly I expect them to, that means they're going to be pretty much untouched and win another state championship. Uh, but if Park South keeps it close, that'll uh, that'll be interesting as well. Man, an undefeated Fairmont Bowl, huh? Oh my goodness, I Whoa, can't even man. imagine. I mean, uh, especially all, in the Armory. Exactly, that Oof. place is going to be rocking oh, tonight, and I hope that's where Bercado is going to be because hopefully there'll be some uh, some good footage from that from the the Metro News website. Yeah, Parker. If, uh, now I've never been in the Armory. I've been outside of it. I've seen it. I've seen videos from back in the day with my dad and cousins and uncles and everybody playing uh, games in the Armory. But that. Seems to be, and I'm, I'm assuming you've been in two game in the armory. I've been in it a couple of times, yes, but not for unfortunately a game. And it I've, seems electric in there when it's a big time game. And this doesn't get much bigger around there than uh, undefeated Fairmont uh, Senior and uh, Fairwell Fairmont Bowl in general. I will say, I think I played one of the best pickup basketball <laughs> games of my life on that floor. So that, that, there's that. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's nothing better than being able to hang your hat on a good pickup <laughs> game because <laughs> I brought that up. So a couple years ago, me and a couple of my buddies would go play pickup at a uh, at a church up in Greencastle, and uh, I, I swear, I've never been that locked in in a basketball game. And my dad was playing too, so I have backup. Uh, I literally went for like 30, 12, and like six, I think, in that game. So Greencastle George is like hoodie mellow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had the sweatpants on and stuff too. We were looking good. We were out there. It was like, uh, what is it for 2K? Um, the my uh, park, yeah, yeah. yeah. Park. Like a my park player. My but joining us on the line, Metro News uh, from Metro News, it's Joe Percato. Good morning, appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us. And uh, we were just talking about a little high school basketball, and there's some big high school basketball games, especially going on there in the uh, north central part of the state this week. We've got the rematch of the class uh, quad A state championship game tonight in Parkersburg as Park South, who's off to an unbeaten start on the year. They're going to host a Morgantown team that's got just one out of state loss, so that's a big game tonight, and also. Uh, East versus West in Fairmont. Uh, East Fairmont and Fairmont Senior both off to undefeated starts. Uh, so both of those games uh, being played tonight should be uh, should be fun to follow. Am I too dramatic in saying that that uh, Morgantown-Parkersburg-South game is kind of already going to decide the fate of Class Quad A this year? You know, if Morgantown kind of handles that game, you'd expect them to do the rest of the way through the state tournament. But uh, if Parkersburg-South can keep it close, that, that kind of makes it still anybody's race there in the top class. Well, I would never call you dramatic, uh, Luke. I might, I might be a little bit more measured than that. Uh, there are some uh, other quad A teams that are off to, to pretty uh, impressive starts. Yes, until somebody beats Morgantown, I, I believe they are the favorite. But you've got a Wheeling Park team that's off to an unbeaten start at 7-0. and You've got a Huntington team that's off to an unbeaten start at 6-0. and George Washington's playing pretty well uh, right out of the gate. So, uh, yes, until somebody beats Morgantown, they're the favorite. But uh, I do believe there's some pretty good contenders lining up behind them. So mentioning all those contenders, like you said, in that classification, where do you think then these panhandle teams would stack up against that? You've got a Jefferson team that looks just like they've taken a, a small step back from a season ago. Spring Mills on the rise, Hedgesville on the rise. Uh, in terms of what you're seeing from the other part of the state, uh, are people paying attention to what's going on here in the panhandle as a, a potential championship or at least a, a semifinal contender, or, or do you think they've kind of been passed up by the other teams in the state? Well, I think there's there's a little bit of curiosity. Uh, I, I do think I, I did get to see both games uh, at the Morgantown tournament where Jefferson played, and uh, you know they hung with Morgantown for a good bit before, <clears throat> excuse me, before falling behind late in that game. But uh, they also did pick up 
um, another victory in that tournament. So, uh, and based on what they did last year and getting to uh, the uh, state tournament and getting to the semifinal round and having so many guys back, I, I do think there's some staying power with Jefferson. I am curious to see uh, what Spring Mills can do. If you look at the record and uh, kind of how they finished last year, made some improvements, uh, I do believe they're certainly a team to watch. And you do always have to keep an eye on Martinsburg and Hedgesville, uh, and I'm curious to see what the what those teams will have. I know Martinsburg's record, uh, it's uncharacteristic to see them below 500 at this point in the season, but Hedgesville off to a 7-2 and two start. So I, I do think there's some, some curiosity, and I'm, I'm personally uh, looking forward to getting over the panhandle and uh, seeing some of those teams uh, match up against each other. And, Joe, I wanted to bounce it to Class AAA now. Of course, we carry Berkeley Springs basketball on our sister station, 92.9 WXDC. Seeing the Tribe get a little bit of some love for some polls and a little bit of receiving votes. They got a big couple weeks coming up. Tomorrow they're going at Kaiser, who's gotten a lot of lot of love a little bit in some of the polls. They had a close bout with North Marion, the team that bounced them out of getting to Charleston last season. And, of course, they got a big matchup with Hampshire coming up on the road on the 20th. So what are you seeing overall in Class AAA and who you think is going to be some of the bigger players come tourney time? Well, I do think the two teams that mentioned off the jump uh, with East Fairmont and Fairmont Senior both off to 7-0 and starts. I, I do think it, it starts there. Certainly Shady Spring. Uh, is a team that merits a lot of attention, what they've done uh, over the last couple of years, falling just short of the state title uh, last year. And uh, even though they've got uh, three losses on their record, which is a little uh, uncharacteristic to see, two of those were in an out-of-state tournament with some pretty high-level competition in Florida. So I think Shady Spring is certainly in the conversation uh, as well. And you've got another undefeated team, a Ripley's off to a 7-0 start, and they've been playing very well. Uh, a team you mentioned in Kaiser, off to a 5-1 start. Uh, so there's lots of teams that do merit uh, attention. Uh, Scott gets to, got to the semifinals last year, and they've got a lot of guys back. So this early in the year, it's really kind of difficult to tell exactly what teams have. You know, some teams are only four, five, six games into the year, but um, that's that's the fun part of uh, a long winter is that we do get to to you know kind of hash things out and before the end of February gets here we do get a better handle on what teams have. And we're speaking with Metro News' Joe Bercato, and we were chatting about uh, the Fairmont Bowl. Two undefeated teams coming out of Fairmont right now, and they're matching up here this week at the Armory, and that sounds like it's going to be really the game of the year so far. Yeah, and and. You know, Fairmont Senior's record of success over the last two decades, I mean, they have been a very, very consistent program at the top of Class AAA or at the class of Top AA, uh, top of Class AA, wherever they've been drawn. Um, you know, East Fairmont is a team that made some good progress last year, and with a lot of the guys that they have back, they've really continued uh, that progress this year. Now, they haven't necessarily faced the schedule that Fairmont Senior has faced up to this point, but by the same token, East Fairmont really hasn't been challenged in, in any game. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Scott earlier. They, in the second game of the season, beat them by 17 points. So that's a great result uh, right off the jump. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that one. And uh, Greg Carey will have uh, coverage at the website tonight. Uh, Joe, I wanted to sneak one WVU question in while we have you on. And I, I knew I, I mentioned we were going to potentially talk about this last night. And it doesn't seem like anything has changed as far as Jose Perez's situation has gone. Uh, with you being uh, just a little bit more plugged in than I am in, in the West Virginia sporting world, have you heard anything about potential traction with his eligibility? And I also wanted to ask you on top of that uh, a question that I don't think I've heard anybody answer yet. He was granted that extra year of eligibility by the NCAA, obviously, for next year. Uh, uh, but if he's granted instant eligibility this year, does that next season potentially go away? 
Well, you hit on the important second part of that, and I, I can't imagine that, that the NCAA, if the appeal is successful and the appeal is still ongoing, I can't imagine that they would take away that next year of eligibility should he choose to use it because, look, I mean, half the season's already gone. They've played 14 games. You're only guaranteed 32. So at this point, I can't imagine that you know, we're dealing with the NCAA here in an appeals process that is over, overly lengthy and drawn out. Um, but I can't imagine that they would say, all right, you're eligible for this year, but that takes you away for next year. I would imagine that if he is ruled eligible for this year, and again, that announcement is still pending, that they would say that he could have the option to return for next year as well. Now, he's an older guy at this point. He's 24 years old. So would he want to come back for that additional season next year? That's a bigger question. Uh, but to answer your question about where things stand, I thought we might get a little clarity yesterday when Jose posted a rather a cryptic tweet uh, that said, oh, oh, and uh, eyeball emojis. I think that's what the kids call it. Um, but, but no announcement yesterday, so we're, uh, we're, we're all waiting to see what, uh, what eventually may happen. I can't say this. I, I made the uh, trip to uh, the last two games at Kansas State and Oklahoma State. He's very involved with his teammates in the huddles, uh, in pregame, uh, very involved with the referees during timeouts. He likes to chat up the refs a lot. So he is engaged uh, a lot on these uh, games. Um, you know, but it has to be uh, it has to be a frustrating process for him and the team, given that it's taken so long to get to this point. Here we're speaking with Metro News' Joe Bercato. And, Joe, thank you for taking a little time to chat with us this morning. And, uh, well, have fun out these games this week. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Again, that's Metro News' Joe Bercato. And you can always get in touch with us on the text line, 304-263-4321. Again, we got a text here from Marshall Marsha, and she says, a UFC alum that she knows, or UCF, not UFC, <laughs> sorry, UCF <laughs> alum that she knows, says UCF is joining the Big 12, and they say, quote, as if West Virginia doesn't have enough to worry about. Ooh, Ooh man. I, to be fair, I think West Virginia, it doesn't matter if the, the Steelers were joining the Big 12. They're just happy that they don't have to go 6,000 miles to play a conference game they get to go down to orlando and have a good time so you know you're right i'm scared of ucf for football but uh i i wouldn't say no to taking a trip down there as opposed to lubbock texas yeah gosh that's the beauty of the expansion of the big 12 i think that's been really good that what they brought in cincinnati's a team that's that could be an actual regional rivalry for wvu and a team that i think there could be a lot of fun competitive games because that cincinnati program is really taking a step up over the past half decade those would be some fun games ucf has mentioned before and then well you're gonna be going crossroad for utah on the Dana Holgerson Bowl, and then you got BYU coming in as well. So, what you give it, and you take it, take it away with the travel, I guess. Well, let us know what you think. Text us 304-263-4321. We're going to step aside one final time. We'll come back. We'll get Parker's picks and wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchentobath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, yesterday's lock of the day ended up hitting. The Bucks ended up beating the Raptors in overtime. Shout out to uh, Milwaukee hanging on and getting the win there. But both bonuses were not able to pay out. Halliburton was not able to get his points total. But 
Funny enough, Luke, I remember we were talking about it yesterday. We, I was debating either points or points and assists for Tyrese, but he ended up hitting the points and assists, sadly. Mm. But that's, that's how it goes sometimes. And big upset last night is number four UConn went down to Providence. So that was another big one to go down in the crazy world of college basketball where everyone's getting upset, it feels like. But no Thursday night football. I would usually turn to that for today. So we're going to go to TNT Thursdays for today for some NBA action. And I said I was going to be positive today, and I'm keeping with the mantra. The lock of the day is going to be Nikola Jokic over 47.5 points, rebounds, and assists tonight against the LA Clippers. He's been on a roll right now. The Clippers in their last two games against Biggs, they've allowed Bam Adebayo to score 30-plus points, and they've allowed Miles Turner from the Pacers to score 30-plus points. And we're dealing with the best center in the league right now in Jokic. Some people think he's going to win another MVP. Put him out there. 47.5 PRA against the Clippers tonight. I think it's going to be a good play for you. And we got another fun matchup tonight between the Mavs and the Celtics. And I think this is a game we're going to be talking about for months to come because Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic are both going to go off tonight. Jason Tatum's going over 30.5 on his points prop for tonight, and I have Doncic going over. It's a steep prop, 34.5 points for Luka tonight, but I think he does it. He is the offense for the Dallas Mavericks, and I think this this one has the potential to be a very high-scoring game because you remember the Celtics let up 150 points to an Oklahoma City Thunder team that was without SGA for that game. So the defense a little leaky, so I'm going with Luka scoring 35 or more. Tatum's going 31 or more, and I've got for the lock of the the day today, Nikola Jokic, 48 or more points, rebounds, and assists combined for those TNT matchups tonight. Did you guys see any of the highlights or watch any of that um, Bucks raptors game last night? I know, Luke, we were just getting back uh, probably to our houses right when that game was finishing up, but it goes to overtime on a last-second three-pointer that was from like half court. It was a pretty incredible game. I didn't get to see it. I heard about it. Um, it it's fun for the, the the Raptors that are trying to figure out whether or not they're going to be a contender. Milwaukee needs to be the team that's going to challenge the Celtics the most. I don't really trust the Sixers yet, and I, I want things to get interesting in the Eastern Conference. Um, but the Raptors are still on the uh, on the precipice of potentially blowing it up because Pascal Siakam just hasn't developed like they won, and OGN and OB is wanted by every team in the NBA because everybody wants a wing defender who can shoot the ball. Uh, so it, it really... Uh, entertaining game, I should say. It looks like on all counts uh, for the Bucks to pick up their 25th one of the year. Yeah, I think it's the same way. I wasn't able to check the game out as well, and you mentioned a good point there. Toronto's sitting at 16-22 and 22 after the loss. They're right behind Washington for a spot to get into the play-in. It's, it's going to be a big-time decision for this organization. I, I think it's really handled themselves with a lot of class and a lot of great moves from, namely, Majah Yuri, you're their big head over in Toronto, kind of piecing things together. What does he choose to do? He's got a lot of good pieces. He can deal at the deadline if he wants to. Pascal Siakam, he will be coveted. You've got, again, as you mentioned, OG Ananobi. You've got Scotty Barnes. If you really want to look to completely blow it up, you've got a piece in Scotty Barnes you could deal. you got Fred Van Vliet who's in there as well. He's getting up there in age. He played a long time at Wichita State in college, so he's getting up there in age. There's, there's a lot of decisions this franchise needs to make. Are you vying to build what you have right now? If the season were to end today, they'd be picking what maybe tenth, eleventh, twelfth in the lottery. So it and that's a place where you don't want to be. We mentioned yesterday Washington's been in that position way too much recently. You need to get out of that spot of well, we're not bad enough to get a generational prospect, but we're not good enough to make the playoffs. You got to find that ground to find either one or the other. You just described the Wizards for the last ten seasons. <laughs> 
Yeah, now, you guys much. were having a pretty good conversation before we went on the air about uh, the NFL Hall of Fame and Heinz mm-hmm. Ward and if he should make it, if he shouldn't make it. Now, of course, me being a lifelong Ravens fan, I don't think he should be in there. I don't think he, I mean, he was a good receiver. Yeah, whatever. But I think him and Palomalu both. Two of the dirtiest players ever step on a football field. Again, just personal <laughs> you're, you're personal talk here. Say one. personal talk here, but Heinz uh, Ward not in the Hall of Fame in the final list, and he's out of years to be eligible. Uh, so thoughts on that? Here's what I'll say really quickly because I know we want to break down the rest of the class. Heinz Ward, in my opinion, uh, objectively, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I know Steeler fans are incredibly loyal. He's a he's a he's a child of Pittsburgh. Somebody that was a really impactful part of that organization for many years. Had a lot of good seasons, but he never led the NFL in the category. The one thing I said. Uh, before we came on the air, Heinz Ward's the best blocking wide receiver in the history of the sport, and you're never going to have one as good as him. Uh, the Veterans Committee, I don't know what it's called in the NFL, and the Major League Hall of Fame is called the Veterans Committee. They have a similar thing that could still put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, objectively, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's very, very close. He's in that next 1% of players. The Hall of Very Good yeah, is probably what, the best way to call it. Well, if, if I were to say this, there's a guy who I think missed the cut that's even better than Heinz Ward, and that's Steve Smith. Steve Smith didn't make the cut. Looking at some of the guys who made the modern day list, the the first year eligible, eligible players, there were three that were first year that got on to the finalist list. It was Dwight Freeney, Darrell Revis, and Joe Thomas. All those guys got themselves in there. You could argue, I think the only lock out of that list would probably be Joe Thomas. So I think he makes it in for sure. And then you've got the rest of the list. You've got Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Devin Hester. A lot of good names we could go through here. We could get into the debate on who Just gets in. Just put Torrey Holt on. and move on. Yeah, I, and definitely. Andre Johnson, probably. <laughs> I would say the two locks, probably Torrey Holt and Joe Thomas, I would say out of that list right now. Joe Thomas has been the best offensive tackle. You, yeah. you, you could argue him as the best offensive tackle of all time. You can have that discussion. It's between him and arguably Anthony Munoz or Orlando Pace. Some of the uh, this was kind of missed out of the headlines though when people were looking at the modern era list. The senior committee finalists are Ken Riley, who he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, guys. If you don't know, Ken Riley played cornerback for the Bengals in the 1980s. Was he's the only first team All Pro player from that era in the 1980s All Decade team that is not in the Hall of Fame right now. Ken Riley needs to get into the Hall of Fame. And another guy I want to shout out on the modern era list was uh, it was where's his name at Albert Albert something Albert John Albert Lewis Albert Lewis. Albert Lewis played corner in the 90s for the Chiefs and for the Raiders. Was one of the best corners in the 90s. I think Jerry Rice was quoted as saying he was the hardest corner he ever went up against was Albert Lewis. That's a guy, and he's in his last year of modern eligibility, so if he doesn't get in, he's got to wait for that senior eligibility list that what Heinz Ward is going to have to go for. I I would like those two to get in, and then Don Coriel could be getting in this year as the coach contributor committee finalist. And Ken Riley, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, and Coriel are going to be on a yes or no basis, so that's not going to be in the percentage vote for the modern era Hall of Fame guys, but you got a lot of guys from really that 2000s to 2010s decade that are in contention right here. Andre Johnson, Jared Allen, Reggie Wayne's another one, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Willis. It's I'm interested to see who they're going to be putting in this year. There's a lot of deserving guys, and then we'll have to see where it goes from there. Well, fellas, just about uh, about a minute left. Any final thoughts for the folks out there? Yeah, uh, we want to get into the Greg Berhalter stuff tomorrow because oh, yeah, that's yeah. getting weird. Yeah. Uh, Duke got crushed by NC State last night in basketball. I just figured that's worth mentioning for all the Duke pukes <laughs> out there. Uh, the Commanders are going to start Sam Howell this week. It begins. Yeah. So good luck to the Commander fans and the World Juniors. The, Can- uh, the Canadians beat the United States in the semifinals. Uh, it's a big hockey tournament with a bunch of big prospects in it. The United States loses to Canada in the semis. Yeah, people are saying that uh, that kid for Canada, I'm not sure what his name is, but might be like the next Wayne Gretzky. Yes, yeah, so I've heard wow. that as well. Yeah.
Well, big takeaways for me. I uh, brought it up yesterday, the one-year thing with Rafi Devers. Well, it gets to an 11-year extension yesterday. Rafi nice. Devers is going to be in Boston long-term. And reports coming out, Devontae Adams is saying he wants to stay in Las Vegas with the Raiders, but he wants input on a new quarterback. And spoiler alert. <laughs> Good luck with that. It's going to be Tom Brady. No. You think? No, it's not. It's going to be think? it's going to be Tom Brady. Absolutely. Right. Uh, it's Tom Brady and Gronk are coming to the Raiders. Ugh. Bookmark this for the fall. You heard it here first. Ugh. Hey, I had some buddies asking me if uh Bajan was going to get drafted by the Commanders if that makes him an immediate uh Super Bowl contender. <laughs> Let's bump the Man. Hold just, on. Just a bit. Thoughts? Thoughts? Hold just bump hey, the, the streets are asking just a little bit. The streets the streets are asking, fellas. That's all I can say. But anyways, if you missed today's show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.